listening to The Private Citizen, defending your right to have something to hide, a podcast for critical thinkers. This is episode 123 for Wednesday, the 24th of August, 2022. Electrical Network Frequency Analysis. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab. I'm coming to you live from the wonderful city of Dusseldorf in the west of Germany, in the Rhineland. And um, yeah, it's a balmy night. And um, we're going to, well, when I record this, I don't know what time or season it is for you. <laughs> it might be in Australia. It might be the, the height of winter right now. Um, but anyway, we're going to talk about um, electrical network frequency analysis today, obviously, uh, which is a pretty cool new forensic technique. Um, and I had that on the docket for months and months now. I wanted to do this episode. I always put it off because there was always something more pressing. And then I went on holiday. Um, well, now we're finally we're finally here. We're finally going to do this. Um I hope I'll I'll have enough energy today. I'm um, I'm preparing to run an um Exletics run um on Saturday, so uh in a few days. And uh I'm recording this on, on, on Wednesday obviously. And um yeah, I'm I've been training and I've I've been running today. It was very hot and I was I don't know, I think I've been training too much or something. I was I was very low on energy um and then i ate something and then it got better and now the food coma is setting in but i i'll hope i get us through the show it's it's going to be it's an interesting topic so it, it should be it should be fine um yeah in case you don't know what exletics is it's kind of like a you know it's like a survival run it's like i don't know you run certain distance and there's mud and and obstacles you gotta climb over and shit like that in my case i'm gonna um, run the 12 kilometer distance in a quarry uh, in Wuppertal um, so you know it should prove uh, interesting but that's uh, that's enough for my uh, for my boring life um, let's talk about um, electrical network frequency analysis or or ENF uh, analysis for short <laughs> Why are we talking about this? Well, it's you know, it's uh, it's interesting. It's um, I guess you know, if you're interested in, uh, I've, I've talked about um, espionage before and uh, things like that, and you know, uh, pr privacy, of course. Um, but you know, it's um, you know, network security. Um, I'm, I'm interested in, and I, I hope you are too a little bit, you know, at least the, the interesting parts of it. Um, so if you're in, in, into anything, any of that, or just technical, cool cool technical things, uh, then you find this interesting. Um, mostly because it's a, it's a technique to um, fingerprint audio files and maybe even video files. And um, it can be used to um, verify that, you know, when when such files were recorded uh, but also um, to see if they've been edited in some cases um, so, so that's pretty cool it's been already been used by the police in Germany and the UK um, so you know it might be an, and you know I'm a podcaster of course I'm, I'm ultra interested in this um, so uh, just uh, to give you a, a, a very quick idea of what we're talking about um, you're using mains hum that is recorded on an audio recording to exactly pinpoint when this uh, recording was, you know, was was rec when the actual recording time was. And um, to under to understand how that works, um, I'm gonna have to go into uh, a few things. First of all. Um, you know, we gotta we we need to understand what alternating current is, and I'm not an expert in this. Um, you know, some people listening to the show might actually know a lot more about this topic than me. Uh, bear with me. I'm just gonna try to make this understandable. You know, for anybody who might be listening to the show, might be new or you know not into 
uh, electrical engineering. I'm not specifically into electrical engineering. I'm really not good with, <laughs> you know, if you, if you, I'm, I'm live recording this on Twitch. Um, if you are actually watching the recording of this podcast on Twitch, uh, you might have noticed that I pulled a random cable for the show and that kind of fucked my audio interface over. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not good with hardware in general, but you know, I've, uh, I'm, I've dabbled a bit with ham radio and stuff like that. And you know, that's when you get into stuff like, you know, yeah, alternating current and direct current and you know it's i find it i find it interesting not as interesting as software but you know certainly interesting so let's just give a very quick overview this is something that you know knowing this kind of stuff is something that just comes in handy in real life uh, maybe you want to impress somebody at a party or you know like your father-in-law or whatever <laughs> might come in handy so to understand how enf analysis works um, we need to first understand that there, there are two different forms of electricity that we mainly use. One is direct current and one is alternating current. Um, and those are used in different kinds of, you know, electronic circuits. Circuits. Now, direct current is, uh, you, 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 in your life, you mostly know this uh, from batteries. You know, if you put batteries into a flashlight uh, or a flashlight, <laughs> I, I tend to mispronounce flashlight and then people make fun of me um you know if you if you um if you know that you know that that kind of device then then you put batteries in it that'll be direct current um and in a in a circuit that circuit that runs on direct current basically the um the 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 current runs you know in the same it basically only flows in one direction from from the negative to the positive uh, part of the circuit um, in an AC circuit alternating current it alternates um, the current in the circuit alternates from positive to the negative and I'm really going to read some stuff most of this on Wikipedia there's actually yeah, some some workable articles on this so um, you know just uh, just in case um, of course if you go to the show notes at privatecitizen.press you'll find links to all of this and you can also what I'm what I'm reading now. You can you can read for yourself later in case you just zone out. But you know, um, talking about you know alternating current, many sources of electricity, most notably electromechanical generators, produce AC current with voltages that alternate in polarity, reversing between positive and negative over time. An alternator can also be used to purposely generate AC current. In an alternator, a loop of wire is spun rapidly inside of a magnetic field. This produces an electric current along the wire. As the wire spins and periodically enters a different magnetic polarity, the voltage and current alternate on the wire. This current can change direction periodically, and the voltage in an AC circuit also periodically reverses because the current changes direction. AC comes in several forms as long as the voltage and current are alternating. If an AC circuit is hooked up to an oscilloscope and its voltage is plotted over time, you are likely to see several waveforms such as sine, square, and triangle. Sine is the most common waveform and the AC in most mains wired buildings have an oscillating voltage in the sine waveform. So that means if you plot you know, the, the, the current, you'll see like this, you know, the sine wave. Now the question is, um, why are we doing this? Why is this useful? Like, why why not have just electricity flow in one direction uh, anywhere? Why not have, you know, DC current, DC circuits everywhere? Um, AC is most commonly found in mains wired buildings such as homes and offices. This is because generating and transporting an AC current across long distances is relatively easy. Actually, I lied. I think this isn't from Wikipedia. Yeah, this is too well written. It's from a site called uh, Power and Beyond. I got some 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 other stuff from Wikipedia later, but yeah. So um, anyway, uh, just just to give you the right source there, of course. Um, this is because generating and transporting an AC current um, across long distances is relatively easy. At high voltages of over 110 kilovolts, less energy is lost in power transmission. At higher voltages, lower currents are produced and lower currents generate less heat in the power line due to a lower level of resistance. This is therefore this therefore means less energy lost as heat. AC currents can be converted to and from high voltages with ease by using transformers. With other words, um, we use this because you know we 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 have a we have a power plant somewhere, and then you need to get the power from the power plant um, to the consumer, right? And uh, 
we use like these big, you know, power lines. Uh, and to get energy across them efficiently and, and you know, try to lose as, as little power as possible, um, we want high voltages. And uh, this is mostly, you know, this is uh, easily achieved with AC, uh, whereas it would actually be very hard with DC current. Um, Explaining this further, an effect of electromagnetism known as mutual induction, where two or more coils of wire are placed so that the changing magnetic field in one coil induces a voltage in the other, can be used to make a device called a transformer. If there are, so these are the big things, you know, in these buildings attached to power lines. If there are two mutually inductive coils and one is energized with AC, well, or, you know, you can also, they're also used in electronics, but you know, these big transformers used for the power lines. Uh, if there are two mutually inductive coils and one is energized with AC, an AC voltage will be created in the other coil. The fundamental use of a transformer is stepping voltage up or down from the powered coil to the unpowered coil. This provides AC an advantage well above DC in the realm of power distribution because transmitting electrical power over long distances is a lot more efficient with higher stepped-up voltages and smaller step-down currents. Before reaching power outlets, voltage is stepped back down and current is stepped back up. This type of transformer technology has made long-range electric power distribution efficient and practical. Without transformers, it would be far too costly to construct power systems in their current long-distance form. And because mutual in inductance relies on changing magnetic fields, transformers only work with AC. So basically, um, we, we use this uh, ability to you know, change the voltage and thus uh, the, the current um, to transport power over long distances, which we do in high voltage, and then you know, to not like kill you if you you know it's dangerous enough uh, to put your you know whatever you, to put a fork or whatever into a power plug. We'll learn this as kids, right? When when it's like two hundred and ten or two hundred and forty volts, that's bad enough. If it would be kilovolts, it'd just be frying everything. Uh, so you know, we use we use this and that's, this is why we use ac but ac um also is handy because um as this website also says ac also is also great for for use in electric motors because motors and generators are the same device the only difference between a generator and a motor is that a motor converts electrical energy into mechanical energy these motors are used in all kinds of appliances appliances like refrigerators washing machines and dishwashers with other words um the thing they explained before where you have a um a rotating coil inside a magnet basically an electromagnet you can use that as a um a generator i.e you rotate the magnet with some kind of other energy right let's say you have um a uh, a power plant that produces hot steam you can send the hot steam into a steam turbine which turns right it turns the rod and then you yeah, this is very simplified, right? But, you know, you attach the rod to uh, an electric generator, you turn the magnet, in, uh, the, the, the coil inside of the magnetic field, and that creates electric power. And then, you know, you step up the voltage, whatever, transfer, transfer the power over power lines, and then in your home, you know, and step you step down the voltage again, and then in your home, you can have that same device work the opposite way, where you have power coming out of your socket going into a device where it will actually um, create a magnetic field, which will then turn a thing, right? Use this coil inside the, the, the magnet the other way around, where this time you're not um, you're not putting mechanical power and to create electrical power you now use the electrical power to create mechanical power and that's your i don't know your kit kitchen aid right the thing that turns your kitchen aid whatever um of course you can also have electric motors with dc <laughs> that's what your electric car uses um it's just generally i, th I don't sudden i think it's another kind of electric motor but i'm not quite sure um but you know you can have that too because you know your electric cars is um powered by a battery um but um if you want to know more about this uh, i put a link in the show notes private citizen press to uh, a wikipedia article called the war of the currents 
uh, where it talks about Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse, where they're basically where this is, you know, one of them. I think Edison Edison was uh, was DC, right? And and Westinghouse was AC, and they they uh, you know this goes into all the um, the different upsides and downsides of of AC and DC and and all this kind of stuff, how, how dangerous it is, and and all and all the uses and 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 but you know the the the, the down uh, the 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 outcome of you know basically what you need to know uh for this episode is that you know the mains in your house um are ac right and there might be devices connected to it um that use uh dc right and there's you know you know i think that are there also transformers see i'm not an expert on this kind of thing but you know you you can you can you can turn um AC current into DC current. But the important thing to know is that we power all the stuff. My computer here, my audio interface, all of this is powered off a wall socket and we have uh, AC power coming out of that wall socket. And that brings us to the next point. which is mains hum. Now, the problem is that this um, alternating current, you know, that goes from positive to minus, uh, to, to, you know, to negative, um, several times a second, actually 50 or 60 times a second, depending on where you live, uh, creates something, you know, creates all different kinds of things. But one of the the, the effects of this is something called mains hum. Um, as Wikipedia says, mains hum is a sound associated with alternating current, which is twice the frequency of the mains electricity. The fundamental frequency of the sound is usually double that of a fundamental 50 or 60 hertz, uh, that is 100 or 120 hertz, depending on the local power line frequency. Now, just a quick side note, um, this um, frequency this um, that the alternating current alternates in, in the power grid, uh, is different um, in Europe, mostly between uh, the US and Europe and the rest of the world. It's 60 hertz in, in the US and in Europe, where I am, and uh, large parts of the world, it's 50 hertz. Now, interestingly, Japan has both frequencies, which can cause all kinds of other problems that we don't want to get into. But this is something I actually just learned today. I didn't know this. Uh, I thought this was pretty funny. Um, now, um, the, if you ever recorded a podcast or tried to record yourself on audio or try to, you know, record an instrument or, um, even, even play an instrument, you've, um, you might've heard, um, main sum, which is a, a very, uh, characteristic sound. Um, it, it sounds like this. So um, that's not your um, your podcasting device uh, malfunctioning. This is actually I'm, I'm, I'm playing this from Wikipedia. Um, now, if you ever like, you know, I have a I have a Telecaster, Fender Telecaster, which is a um, um, uh, electric guitar that uses a single coil pickup. And if you um, plug that into an amplifier and crank the amplifier up and you don't touch the guitar you just have it hanging on your body you will hear that sound uh, because that pickup being a, a magnetic coil picks up this kind of hum uh, from from everywhere basically um, and it's it's very um, characteristic for that kind of pickup that's why um, there's another kind of pickup which uses two coils that are um, uh, in the circuit, they kind of switched. Um, you know, they're canceling each other out. It's called a humbucker. Um, it gives a it gives a different kind of sound. It's mostly associated with uh, traditionally with guitars like the Gibson Les Paul, um, whereas you know Fender Stratocasters and Telecasters have these single coil pickups, which sound brighter, but have this mains hum problem. And you've also, you know, you've, I mean, I've I've had this in audio equipment um, all through my podcasting career. Um, it happens a lot if you 
I mean, you have it on your. Um, if you use built-in computer, like on a on a desktop computer, if you use that sound card to record stuff, you often have it on there. Um, sometimes you know it's it's because the, on the motherboard the, the components are too close to each other and it's kind of shitty. Um, and it depends on weirdly um, what kind of power socket you uh, plug your equipment in. So sometimes um, I've had it before where um, if so you know on your in your house. Uh, the wiring you, you of, often you don't know how the wiring works so you have like power power plugs in the wall um, and some of them might be on one wiring loop and some of them might be on others and so I, I've previously had this problem when I when I plug my computer into a power plug and I plug my mixer into the same loop and then my graphics card um, starts being used under load and draws a lot of power, I will get main sum on the mixer, um, which is uh, called a ground loop uh, because both devices use the same ground. Um, and then uh, basically I pick up interfer- interference from my graphics card. So, in you know, weirdly, interestingly enough, um, main sum is, is not one thing. It doesn't have one source. There are many different kinds of main sum and you know, wikipedia goes into some detail here but the most common uh, they describe as such because of the presence of mains current in mains powered audio equipment as well as ubiquitous ac electromagnetic fields from nearby appliances and wiring 50 60 hertz electrical noise can get into audio systems and is heard as main sum from their speakers main sum may also be heard coming from powerful ele- electric power grid equipment such as utility transformers caused by mechanical vibration induced by magnetostriction in the magnetic cores on board and this is an interesting side note on board aircraft or spacecraft the frequency heard is often higher pitched due to the use of 400 hertz ac power in these settings because 400 hertz transformers are much smaller and lighter so and there's all different kinds of uh, mains hum uh, wikipedia lists a few um some of this you might have actually heard in real life, such as um, electric hum around transformers. So if you um, if you ever go to, uh, near an electric switching station, right, where there's lots of power lines, sometimes they're close to um, power plants, you know, or uh, just at points between power lines. It's basically where the grid um, is is regulated, you know, where where um, it's kind of they do this stepping up of voltage and stepping down kind of you know uh you know they figure out how much power is used where on the grid and then they kind of need to regulate this and they have these buildings with full of uh um you know uh these large transformers and if you go there you you can hear humming um, as Wikipedia says, electric hum around transformers is caused by stray magnetic fields causing the enclosure and accessories to vibrate. Magnetostriction is a second source of vibration in which the core ion changes shape minutely when exposed to magnetic fields. The intensity of the fields and thus the hum intensity is a function of the applied voltage. Because the magnetic flux density, this is, this is great, this could be right out of Star Trek. Because the magnetic flux density is strongest twice every electrical cycle. So, you know, it, it cycles 50 or 60 times a second, 50, 60 hertz. The fundamental hum frequency will be twice the electrical frequency. Additional harmonics above 120 hertz will be caused by the nonlinear behavior of most common magnetic materials. Around high voltage power lines, hum may be produced by corona discharge. And if you want to know what corona discharge is, links in the show notes. Uh, it looks pretty cool. But you'll hear that, I, you know, my parents... Um, Across from where my parents live, there's power lines running cr- along a field. You know, as a kid, I would I would you know cycle home and uh, cycle along the road, and there'd be the power lines, and I'd hear this like from the power lines. Um, and it was um, it was specifically uh, I remember um, loud um, when it was kind of like um, moisture in the air, like um, when. Uh, you know, when a, when the thunderstorm was approaching or something like this in the summer, uh, it would be louder, which I thought was kind of creepy as a kid. Uh, as, I, as a kid, I thought it would be attracting um, thunderstorms, um, and I wasn't, you know, I was a bit afraid of electricity and lightning and shit like that. 
mostly because my grandma's house uh, when she was a little was struck by lightning and she um, vividly uh, told me that story several times and it scared the shit out of me um, anyway um, what else do we get oh in the realm of sound reinforcement as in public address systems and loudspeakers electric hum is often caused by induction the sum is generated by oscillating electric currents induced in sensitive high gain or high impedance audio circuitry uh, by the alternating electromagnetic fields emanating from nearby mains power devices like power transformers. Um, sometimes you get this cables pick this shit up. Like if you have very long cables and you have very sensitive audio equipment attached to it, you know, you'll you'll pick up electromagnetic fields because the cables, even though they're insulated, are basically antennas. Uh, the audible aspect of this electrocom is produced by amplifiers and loudspeakers. You know, like you amplify the signal and then you hear it, i.e., you know, when you when you record a podcast and you get a mixer, um, the mixer will amplify the signal, sometimes picked up by your microphone, you know, uh, or, um, yeah, your um, the cables or whatever. Um, generally, you know, you're picking up when, you, when you're in a home studio environment and you're not in a professional audio uh, studio and everything's sealed, shielded and set up, um, you know, professionally. Then generally you're picking up, you know, the the electric, uh, the ele electromagnetic fields from your computer, from the other devices you're running uh, in in your room uh, and shit like that. Um, yeah, sometimes it actually helps putting audio equipment in different power sockets. Um, there's other ways. There's like these magnetic core things you can clamp around cables. Uh, that sometimes helps. There's actually devices that remove ground loops. Um, which which can be handy, um, and uh, yeah, uh, Wikipedia continues. The other major source of hum in audio equipment is shared impedances. When a heavy current is flowing through a conductor, uh, ground trace, that a small signal device is also connected to. All practical conductors have a finite, if small, resistance, and the small resistance presents means. Uh, uh, Resistance present means that devices using different points on the conductor as a ground reference will be slightly different potentials. That is basically the scientific explanation of what I just said before. The sum is usually at the second harmonic of the power line frequency, 100 on 120 hertz. Since the heavy ground currents are from AC or DC power, su power supplies that rectify the mains waveform. Wave um, and if you want to know more about this, there's a good Wikipedia article on ground loops. Um, interestingly, also in vacuum tube equipment, one potential source of hum is current leakage between the heaters and cathodes of the tubes. Another source is direct emission of electrons from the heater or magnetic fields produced by the heater. You get this in a tube ampl amplifiers, which uh, I've got one over here uh, that, that, you know, if you crank it up a lot, you don't even need to attack, attach it. Um, uh, guitar to it, it'll it'll hum all by itself, which I guess uh, was explained uh, to me just now how that works. Uh, tubes for critical applications may have the heater circuit powered by direct current to prevent the source of hum. Now, you can use this, I said in the beginning, to figure out when an audio signal was recorded. Um, and we call that electrical network frequency analysis. So um, how does that work? So um, basically what you're doing, um, I'm going to read out, now Wikipedia has a good article on this as well, which I'm going to also link in the show notes. Um, but um, basically what you're doing is... Um, power companies well either well what you need is a reference so 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 what happens in a power grid is this um a power grid the op in the operation of a power grid the power company needs to basically at all times balance the supply of power with the demand of power right they need to figure out how much power in the grid is used at any given moment and then supply the right amount of power if you don't supply enough power, then you get brownouts or blackouts, right? There's not enough power for some um, devices. If you supply too much power, things are gonna start exploding, 
uh, I think those transformers uh, are the first thing to usually, you know, go up in sparks and, and explode. Um, so you know, kind of need to balance this now, and they do this all the time, right? In the power, I mean, there's this um, uh, there's the same scene in the Chevy Chase in one of the Chevy Chase Christmas movies with all these one hundred thousand imported Italian like lights for his roof, right? And he he plugs them in. And then the next shot is like the guys in the power utility going, oh no, he's plugged the Christmas lights in. Power up the nuke plant and then they power up an extra plant so they have enough power for his Christmas lights. That's basically what, um, you know, what happens. Uh, you know, this is just over the top explanation, but they kind of balance the grid. Now, while they do that, um, they're invariably um, messing with this um, alternating current uh, frequency, right? So there, let's say we're in the US, um, so all these devices expect 60 hertz alternating current, which means the utility needs to keep that at 60 hertz, more or less, so that things don't break. But it, it'll it'll um, it'll it'll meander, right? It'll go. It'll be like I don't know. 60.2 and you know 59.8 it'll 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 go back and forth and as long as that's not bad really bad things um usually don't break now there was an instance i can remember a few years ago here in europe where some grid supplier i think in eastern europe uh fucked this up a little bit and and things didn't didn't really break except one thing they're old alarm clocks right which you which are powered off the mains. You, you, you plug them in the mains and then you set the time. And they keep time by basically counting this alternating current, right? They go, okay, we're in Europe. Uh, it's 50 hertz. So it's 50 cycles per second. And they basically count those cycles. And that's how they keep time. And um, I think... Something happened, and uh, was something with the power supply in Eastern Europe, and it kept, kept, you know, reaching like Germany and 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 Western Europe because you know these grids all interconnected and shit, um, and so the frequency was um, lower than fifty hertz, which you know normal devices they, they can cope with, but these co clocks slowed down, right? So your alarm clock would wake you up uh, too late because it was slowing down because the mains frequency was off. Um, so there are fluctuations in this mains frequency. So what you can do is you can plug a little device in the mains and then record, you know, every second or every every nanosecond or whatever. Well, that, that'll be quite, I think that'll be too fine grained. But every, I don't know, tenth of a second, whatever. You can record what the actual... They're probably doing it on the second. I don't know. You can record the mains frequency, right? You can go, okay, now it's 50. Now it's 50.2. Now it's 50.4. Now it's 50 again. And you can you can basically collect that data. Uh, and, and, and researchers did. Now, these days, the power companies actually do that. Um, and they have this data. And they give this data out, uh, for example, to the police. And... What you can then do is if you get a recording, an audio recording that's long enough and it has mains hum in it, um, that mains hum will shift, right? According to what the mains, what the AC frequency was at the time. And because it meanders up and down, that creates like a pattern, right? And you have, you can reconstruct this pattern. So you, you get a recording and you can see, okay, so I'm mapping the, so there's main sum in the background, I'm isolating that, and then I'm mapping what it is, right? Like I'm, I'm mapping like the ups and downs, like the graph. Um, and then I can compare that with an algorithm to my historical data of the power grid, um, right? And then I can say, oh, I recognize this pattern. So this was recorded on, you know, uh, Wednesday, the 24th of August, um, at 2118 hours, uh, because this pattern was in the uh, in the data at the time, and that's basically what ENF analysis is, um, or as Wikipedia says, 
Electrical network frequency analysis is an audio forensic technique for validating audio recordings by comparing frequency changes in background mains hum in the recording with long-term high-precision historical records of mains frequency changes from a database. Now, this shit, right? If this fucking sounds like Star Trek... <laughs> Sounds like science fiction, but people actually do this. And uh, in effect, the mains hum signal is treated as if it were a time-dependent digital watermark that can help identify when the recording was created, detect edits in the recording, or disprove tampering of a recording. So if you edit that audio file, um, right, you have this uh, this waveform basically, or this this, this meandering graph. Um, from the main sum but then you'll have a break for example you know it shifts you, you cut out 10 seconds then your historical data will will have 10 seconds of a of that waveform that's not in the recording and you can say okay somebody cut out 10 seconds there it sounds like csi bullshit said astral says astral c in twitch chat exactly it does or like something data would do <laughs> you know I, I watched an episode of voyager last night where they have a spy on board and they have to kind of figure out um you know the the neelix uh, is, has become <laughs> it's voyager don't question neelix has become an uh an investigative journalist which i support and then he figures out that there's some the communications logs that have been tampered with right and this kind of thing would be something that like fucking you know a starfleet engineer would do to like a file uh to figure out it was temp if it was tampered with but it's actually it's real um Historical records of Maine's frequency changes are kept on record, for example, by police in the German federal state of Bavaria since 2010 and the United Kingdom Metropolitan Police since 2005. So, you know, I guess they already knew that in 2005. In the UK, police reportedly uses this technique in a fully automated process. I'll link to the register here in the story. It is important to point out that this technique uh, has limitations. Um, as Wikipedia says, according to a paper by, I think those guys are Dutch, Rui Brechte, Rui Brechte and Graz, Graz, I don't know, link, link to the paper, um, or where, you know, to get it, it's on Springer, so you can't really, um, <coughs> sigh up, <coughs> sigh up, <coughs> sigh up, <coughs> I don't know what's wrong, it must be my allergies, sorry, <coughs> sigh up. Ah, ah, better. Sorry. Uh, you can, you know, just look look for the title. Anyway, um, according to a paper by Hurge Brechtse and Gerards, the NF technique, although powerful, has significant limitations caused by ambiguity based on fixed frequency offsets during recording and self-similarity within the main frequency database, particularly for recordings shorter than 10 minutes. Yeah, because obviously there's not a big range this frequency fluctuates in, right? Because if it's um, if this discrepancy uh, gets too big, then things start fucking up. Um, so the power companies uh, try to prevent that. Um, interestingly, uh, you, it, there is uh, also um, on this page, they also talk about using ENF on video signals. More recently, researchers demonstrated that indoor lights such as fluorescent lights and incandescent bulbs, vary their light intensity in accordance with the voltage supplied, which in turn depends on the voltage supply frequency. As a result, the light intensity can carry the frequency fluctuation information to the visual sensor recordings in a similar way as the electromagnetic waves from the power transmission lines carry the ENF information to audio sensing mechanisms. Based on this result, researchers demonstrated that visual track from still that visual track from still video taken indoor light. Sorry, I'm trying to read this, but it's 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 hard. <clears throat> My brain. Um, I think I've worked too much today. <clears throat> I'm going to try this again. Based on this result, researchers demonstrated that visual track from still video taken in indoor lighting environments also contain ENF traces that can be extracted by estimating the frequency at which ENF will appear in video as slow as, as low sampling frequency of video, 25 to 30 hertz, cause significant alley aliasing um so basically um 
this um, this fluctuation of the uh, AC frequency causes lights to flicker, which when you're um, when you're sampling video at like twenty five to thirty hertz or frames per second, right? Um, then you you get aliasing in the video and from the flickering of the light source and then you can correlate that to the nf record that's some csi shit it was also demonstrated in the same research that the nf signatures from the visual stream and the nf signatures from the audio stream in a given video should match as a result the matching between the, the two signals can be used to determine if the audio and visual track were recorded together or superimposed later which is pretty cool. So with this, you can kind of figure out when something was recorded, um, if you're lucky, uh, if it was edited. Um, you know, uh, that is pretty awesome. Now, to to wind up this um, this report uh, from me on, on how this works, I want to play you um, a bit of a video by Tom Scott. Now, Tom Scott is a YouTuber, the British YouTuber. He does great videos basically explaining things. And um, he did a video um, in December of last year explaining what ENF is. Now, you know, I just explained what ENF is, so we're, we're, we're going to skip that. But um, he basically um, went to some researchers who do this kind of thing, um, you know, this forensic technique, and he shows how it's done in the real world. Um, so let's listen to that a bit because I thought this was uh, this was fascinating. So this is Tom Scott. He's on YouTube. There's a link to this video and thus his channel in the show notes at privatecitizen.press. So I would you know, I, you know, if if you're interested in kind of that kind of stuff, give him a follow or whatever. You know, like and subscribe, whatever you do on YouTube. I guess um, you know, just just uh, I I appreciate this video and uh, let's. Let's listen how this works in the real world. I talked to one of the forensic experts who works with it and also set them a challenge. Historically, uh, what's had to happen is we've had to record the grid frequency data ourselves by literally plugging a recording device into the mains. Uh, the National Grid have recently released their data, seven years, recorded right at the source. It's, it's fairly simple, actually, signal processing. You're looking to see if there is a component around 50 hertz or one of the harmonics. I would hesitate against advising anyone to present themselves to a court as a forensic expert, but this type of evidence has been used in court to date recordings. The longer recording you have, the better. As an absolute minimum, I think about a minute. If it's a noisy recording or if the ENF isn't particularly clear, then the longer recording you have, the better. So find the mains hum frequency in the footage and then write code to match it against the millions of possibilities in the national grid logs. Does it work? Well, to find out, I asked some friends of mine who make videos to send me over some of their raw footage, straight out of the camera, unprocessed, unfiltered, and I asked the forensic team, can you timestamp it? First up, footage from Taha, one of the team behind educational channel Answer in Progress. There's quite a strong component here, and you can see it's got a bit of a wobble. We use a signal processing algorithm to extract the peak, and we constrain that algorithm so that it can't suddenly jump up here. Um, so even if there is a, a higher amplitude something up here, it, it will stick to this curve. Then compare. If we know that a recording was taken on a certain day, then we just need to give it a day's worth of national grid data. If we're not sure when it was taken, we'll throw everything at it and it'll take a bit longer to process, but it's not prohibitive. Spot on. Got it to the second. Although it's important to say that the team never said they were certain about the timing, only that they had a very high chance of being correct. And yes, they were. Next up, footage from Hannah Witten, sex and relationships educator. There wasn't um, a component at around 50 hertz. So here we have the axis 49 hertz to 51 hertz, and we can see no apparent ENF trace. So I'm now going to change the axis up to around 100, and then we'll be able to see the harmonic component around 100 hertz. Because it's quite strong and seems to be behaving in a way that we'd expect the ENF to behave, we can be fairly confident that this is an ENF harmonic. What's interesting about this one is it sort of appears halfway through the recording. Um, maybe there's a, a little bit of something earlier on. But, so there's a possibility that maybe Hannah was moving around when she made this recording, um, getting closer or further away from mains-powered equipment. 
Maybe the mains hum was coming from something on a timer or a thermostat in the background that just switched off, but the timestamp was accurate. So the next test was Steve Mould from his science channel, and I thought that this one would be easy because he sent B-roll. He's not talking and it's just ambient noise. And also he is holding a fan that's plugged into the mains. There's no strong component at all for ENF. So the next step would be to look at the um, other frequency regions to see if we can identify any harmonics. How loud the person is often doesn't have much of an effect. It's often environmental noise um, that would be lower to, to mask ENF. There is possibly something here, um, but because we haven't got a strong trace sort of fading in and out, we wouldn't be confident to use this for an ENF analysis. Sometimes it just doesn't work. As a last test, I sent over some of my old footage from when I was filming against green screen in my tiny flat last year. I was sneaky though, and I hid an edit in there. What could happen with an edit is you'll have a sudden jump in the ENF frequency. In that case, it's quite likely to be an edit. It's possible that the ENF trace will just sort of stop. The reason for that could be because it's got an edit in, which in this case we believe it has. But it could also be because you walked away from the source of the ENF energy. Like any forensic analysis, this isn't some magic tool that always works. Compression can stop it working. You need minutes of uninterrupted audio to have enough confidence in the result, and sometimes there might be no background mains hum at all. But I love this, because it's an accident of technology that's created a tool that would sound like science fiction 20 years ago. Yeah, and I think he's, he's quite right on that. Um, it would, I mean, it sounded science fiction when I first read about it. Um, so pretty cool. Yeah, you can probably do that on my podcast, although I guess I don't know what the MP3 compression does to them, but you'd certainly have enough material. Um, I'm, I'm with with my incredibly unprofessional audio setup here. I um, I'm bound, I'm bound to have a lot of hum. Um, I mean, I, I kind of try to filter it out. Um, you know, I, I'm, I run some um, EQ over um, this this podcast. Um, you know, when I master it, um, that should cut hum out, um, and it should cut that hum out. But I, I don't know if that actually works. <laughs> so, if anybody wants to actually try this, and I mean. It'll be academic because I'm streaming this right on Twitch so you know exactly when it was recorded and that there were no edits. At least you get a version with no edits. Sometimes there are tiny edits, which I usually just do for your convenience. Um, but, you know, um, if somebody wants to try this kind of thing, it, I, I think I get a kick out of it. Um, yeah, as Lucy and Twitch said, let's find out when this current podcast was recorded. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm there. I'm right there. Anyway, I thought this was a neat technique. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, telling you about it because, oh my God, we all need to be scared um, because it's some huge, like, privacy issue, of course. But um, I mean, you know, just keep that in mind. Um, this is certainly something. Um, that this is kind of like a reality winner situation. You could see this happening. You could see this um, tripping up a whistleblower, maybe, was trying to kind of hide when they recorded something or where they recorded it, you know? Um, I mean, alone, something being at 60 hertz, uh, some hum in the background might tell you that it was recorded in the US or certain parts of Japan, I guess. Um, yeah, just just pretty uh, pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, I wanted to share with you. I I hope um, you find it as fascinating as I have. Um, and with that, we are leaving um, the uh, today's topic of the show. And let's talk a bit about um, some of your feedback. Um, first of all, I had many messages from people who wrote me um, after the uh, previous episode, basically said that they're happy that I'm back at my desk and working and um, and, and and continue to produce this podcast. So um, one of the people who told me this was Necros on the forum, and I just wanted to tell everybody what I responded uh, to him um, on this. Uh, just thank you for you know telling me that once in a while that's really helpful um certainly i get a lot of uh, negative criticism <laughs> a lot of the time which you know comes with the territory but sometimes really nice people um telling me that they appreciate what i do it just kind of gives me the energy uh, to continue with this stuff 
And um, I also had a nice email uh, from Johan Sonnen, um, who uh, is at, I think, teaches at MIT, um, who I uh, covered. So he gave a talk at, um, was it FOSDEM? I think it was FOSDEM. I covered this in episode 57. Um, let me just, uh, did I, do I have the right? Yeah, yeah, it was at FOSDEM. I actually wrote about this talk for Heiser Online as well. Um, he was talking about uh, medical data, you know, um, owning your own uh, medical data. And I guess uh, he's, he's, he stumbled across my episode. So he wrote me a nice email saying that he discovered the episode and, um, yeah, um, sent me some nice words, which I uh, appreciated as well. Uh, but also he um, he is basically uh, part of an effort called opensourcehealthcare.org, which I found really interesting. And this is something I want to um, devote more time on, you know, talk talk about in another episode. Uh, maybe I can get him on for an interview. Um, basically, this is, um, you know, continuing on the same note as that you know in his talk he talked about um creating a system where um you own your own health data which i think is is is, is crucial it creates all kinds of problems um but you know there are all kinds of problems currently you know it, it, it i think it depends largely on where you are um in germany for a long time we just had physical records and they recited with your doctor so so you know i have a problem i go to my gp and they they um look at me and then do a diagnosis and then they have that that those files right and a file on me and you know with the diagnosis and what you know drugs i got and um they might refer me to a specialist and then i go to the specialist and then the specialist gets sent that file but like that file is always at some doctor and if i go to another doctor they need to get that file sent uh we're moving this to digital records now but it's still kind of the same thing they need to like keep sending on those records this sometimes create sometimes creates problems uh, my wife who does research in a hospital uh, recently told me the story how this is like a huge problem how you know they get a guy in with with a heart attack i mean i'm laughing it's not it's not funny but like the situation is almost comical right they get a guy in with a heart attack and then he has kind of he tells him he's kind of a history of heart disease and then they need to you know they they kind of want to um, help him and they need to know what like what drugs he's gotten in the past like what 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 has been diagnosed so they need to get into contact with like let's say he's he's been in another hospital with a heart attack before or some other heart disease they need to get in contact with that hospital and they spend significant time like calling up that hospital and getting the file like sometimes in the middle of the night and it creates all kinds of problems so you know the obvious answer by most of these you know not technically minded people who are just doctors who want to help you is like we need some we need some central database for this shit now if you're listening to this podcast you've listened to me you know talk a lot about it security and stuff and you immediately have a red light in your head probably going off like red alert red alert um uh because you know that creates all kinds of different problems now um johan was talking let's talk about how we could create such a system either um i mean it could be distributed it could be central you know (laughs) could be on a blockchain of course but like in a way that's secure and there's certainly solutions for that but like um, open source healthcare even goes further. It, um, it kind of, as far as I understand this this idea, it kind of wants to um, open up all of healthcare. You know, like um, how how drugs are created, how they are tested, how they are researched. Like this is all the realm of big companies right now that make a lot of money, and it's not necessarily the best for patients, right? And um, if you um if you know how you know medical research is done you know this medical researchers know this of course they have to arrange themselves with the system um but you know i think it's good that there are some people uh, who want to change that i don't know how realistic that is um you know it's kind of modeled they kind of model this idea after open source in software, which you know has is was remarkable, is remarkably successful, um, in considering that it's the same kind of like David versus Goliath 
idea where it's just a few scrappy rebels against the big, you know, industry juggernauts. Um, now the pharma industry is much has much bigger juggernauts, so it's going to be a harder um, fight. But I understand, you know, I, I feel like pretty much anybody after the <laughs> recent pandemic um, should understand a lot of these problems um, that we have in healthcare systems, in all healthcare systems. I'm not even, like on this level, there's no difference between the German, the UK, the Australian, or even the American healthcare system. Um, they all have the same problems. You know, we might have social healthcare in Germany. Uh, we still have the problem that, you know, the, com the companies are in control of how drugs are created, how many treatments are how new treatments are developed, how they're, you know, tested, uh, how vaccines are created, how they are tested, all this kind of stuff. Um, I find this uh, very interesting. I, this is another thing I put uh, on my uh, list of topics. Actually, I, I say that and I wanted to and I haven't. So uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that live on the show. Um, I have a page here. I'm going to put that on there. Um opensourcehealthcare.org open source so I'm not cutting this out, out. so no, no don't need to uh, use uh, ENF to figure out if there, if there was an edit here where, where was that open source <coughs> sorry open source health care I got a cough again <coughs> sorry <help. coughs> open source healthcare yeah, this is going to be a topic I definitely want to talk about. Um, and maybe I can get Johan on uh, and interview him about um, this uh, and, uh, and, and their goals and, you know, these kinds of initiatives because I think it's, it's, it's very important, especially with everybody going on about, like, you know, the, the healthcare system is so important and we need to be, we need to protect people and the evil virus and, you know, and, and for all of that talk over the, I've, I've been ranting about this a lot on the show, for all of that talk, there's been precious little change in our healthcare systems over the last two, three years. Even though we just lived through the biggest, you know, social situation, you know, that, that you'd think would kind of initiate such change but basically nothing has changed um so yeah i found that a bit disappointing but anyway let's wrap up the show because uh, before i just um just just rant endlessly and um yeah let's, let's talk about uh how you can help me do more of these episodes maybe In essence, uh, this show is produced of something called the Value for Value model, which was pioneered by the No Agenda show, and I'm Curry, John C. Dvorak, um, which basically means you get the show for free. But uh, if everybody gets it for free, then I don't make any money. Uh, I'm scraping by as a freelance journalist anyway. I'm making myself uh, incredibly uh, unliked by the general public. Uh, speaking truth to power uh, this week uh, the <laughs> the House of the Dragon show which I watched and uh, yeah it's not that good um, <clears throat> anyway uh, yeah you, you need to help me out if you want to keep the show on the air uh, a lot of people are already doing that uh, you can, can become a patron on Patreon links in show notes private citizen press there's a PayPal email address if you prefer that, if you don't want a recurring payment. And, you know, any way you can, you can help is appreciated. And you don't even have to, you know, support the show monetarily. You can also write me feedback. There's a link to, you know, contact link at the top. There's a link in the feedback section. Um, if you want to give me constructive conductive criticism I've been talking about electricity too much this show. constructive criticism ideas for future episodes if you just want to rant at me or just need somebody to talk um, yeah please contact me uh, I, I appreciate that I, I like to know who I'm, I'm talking to when I do these shows so um, yeah 
And with that, let's list all the people who's the, uh, I mean, you know, lots of people have, have written to me and, and, and give me feedback and helped out that way. And they're all producers uh, as for the, you know, as the value for value model uh, stipulates. But they're also the producers who kind of help me pay the bills. And uh, I, I'd, I'd reserve special thanks for them. So uh, thanks to Gal Taran, Rudain the Insane, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Michael Small, 1i11g, Jonathan M. Hetai, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave Jaroslav Lichtblau, Jackie Plage, Thundman616, IKN, Bennett Piata, Vlad, Rizal, Avis, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, Kai Sears, Fadi Mansur, David Potter, Mika, Cam, Mr. Amish, RJ Tracy, Captain Eckhead, Rick Bragg, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan, Robert Forster, Astral C, Crunkle, Superuser, D, Florian, Florian Pigorsch, and Eric Lillet. I also thank my Twitch subscribers, Mike the Dane, P. Kemer, Bacon the Pork, Redeemer F, El Terrestris Jim, Galtaran, Jonathan Haynes, 4747, and Indie X. Thanks to all of you. Also thanks to Bytemark at bytemark.co.uk, great British cloud hosting company who have been providing the servers uh, this show resides on and the bandwidth that you use to get the files ever since this podcast has started. So I thank them very much for that. And with that, it's uh, Fab out. I'm out of here. And I am going to play you out. Uh, of course, the theme tune, uh, theme tune for this podcast called Acoustic Roots by Ro Kabzali. But, you know, I have the habit of playing you out with a different song um, every episode. I've started this uh, with episode 51. And uh, for this episode, I've picked a song called The Silver Lining by Hara Noda. Uh, who does some amazing jazz. You can find him on Epidemic Sound or her. You can find them on Epidemic Sound. So uh, I'll I'll see you next week, uh, hopefully next Wednesday, with another scheduled release with some more stuff. I don't know what I'm going to talk about then. Um, I I hope you found this episode interesting. If you want me to talk more about stuff like like this, let me know. Uh, Details on Private Citizen. Press. See you soon. Aim to misbehave.
Thank you.